What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 120 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, we have had an amazing time on this year's episodes of Lynch with a Leader. The year of 2021 is scooting by, isn't it? I mean, it is moving, but I tell you what, it doesn't matter the background. It doesn't matter the story. Every guest brings something to the table. Every guest has something that you need or I need that make us better. And I just have to say a huge thank you to you for listening in. I know many of you do it on the way into work. Many of you do it while you're walking. I know a lot of coaches listen in. They're maybe on a maybe on a gator dragging the field. I don't know how you are listening, but I just want to say thank you for being a part. Also want to say a huge thank to DeCorcus, who took the time out of a schedule to leave a rating and a review. He said Mike has a great presence about him. He has poignant questions that allow his guests to reveal fascinating insights from their journeys. The guests are knowledgeable and accomplished. They do a great job of sharing how their success directly ties to their walk by faith. Thank you so much for leaving that. And if you get a chance today, please stop, hit pause, go to iTunes or Spotify or whatever app you're listening on and leave a rating or review. It does help us climb up the charts and help other people find their way to us. Well, today is one that I have looked forward to so much. Probably one of the very first podcasts I ever listened to was The Catalyst Leader with Brad Lominick and Ken Coleman. Brad has a unique ability to glean things from leaders. He is one of the greatest leaders in America right now. But even more than that, Brad is an observer of great leaders. And his insights, his thoughts on his H3 Leadership podcast, in his book, as he does consulting, Brad brings it. And I, I reached out to Brad. I'd had him on as a guest before, and I threw an idea to him about breaking down who are the greatest leaders and why. I think you're going to love this. So I don't know where you're at today. In honor of Brad, I'll say pull out your moleskin, maybe pull out your phone app or your Remarkable, your iPad, or you're typing away, or you just put it away in your head because you're going to get some good stuff today. So I want you to pull up a chair. And I want you to listen in to my conversation with Mr. Brad Lominick. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining me again on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is always a blast and an honor to have you. I love being on. I, I mean, this is my second time, so 
hopefully I do okay. I get invited again. Hey, listen, listen, as I begin filling up slots, there might be more invitations than you will ever want to take. So don't you ever, ever worry about that. I'll always say yes. So we have lived through, and, and I know in my lifetime, and I'm sure you would say this too, the craziest season, and we're still walking through this season. You wrote your book, H3 Leader, a number of years ago, but has it ever been more needed for a leader now to be humble, stay hungry, and always hustle? What would you say? Yeah, I, I good question. I, I think, I think those three are always needed, and especially in times of crisis. You know, uh, uh, the uh, and I would say the 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 hum the humble section and the humble piece really is needed in times of crisis, and it, and it feels. Sometimes that feels uh, a bit contradictory because many of us in crisis, we bury our head in the sand and we just, our posture becomes hope we make it through. I hope we, I hope we, and we, we put so much of the emphasis on me and, and I just think during crisis or, you know, really anytime, but especially during crisis, the, the focus has to be about others. And I've heard so many great churches and leaders the last nine months, talk about the idea of reaching out into their community. And when you're not sure, when when there's uncertainty, when there's chaos, when there's crisis, the best thing I think we can do to actually maintain our posture and healthy framework of a leader is to make it about somebody else. And that's what humility is. I mean, at the end of the day, like humility is, is, is thinking more and focusing more on other people, but also being really content and self-aware and secure and safe in who you are. Um, and uncertainty uncovers that, Mike. You know, like you, we all know that when, when things are crazy, a leader starts to get insecure. But a humble leader, they're content, man. They, they, they are under, they're under no uh, impression that, that they're the savior of the situation. Um, and so I just think it's, you know, especially on the humility part, we have to, we have to lean into that even more during crazy seasons, like we've just walked through and continue to, you know, you said it when we, when we were just chatting before we came on, you talked about, you know, I've had to pivot, I've had to learn, I've had to grow. Does a, does a leader ever reach a point where they're not going to have to pivot and they can just say, I am who I am. I do what I do. What, what would you say? Well, they can, but I think they'll lose their, uh, their, their street cred. Right. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of us, unfortunately, when we get into, you know, the third and fourth quarter of our, of our career arcs, um, we, we, we have a tendency to get critical and get, um, I would say like grumpy. And we also start to lose that energy for learning something new. Mm. And, and like just what you said, you know, that, the, the idea of being a, somebody who adapts never before have we had to adapt quicker and, and with more frequency yeah. than this year. And so you've seen it in leaders, you've seen those who, who leaned in regardless of age, regardless of experience, regardless of if they've been in the captain's chair for five years or 50 years, you know, those who were willing to say, this is, this is going to create change at a, at a speed we've never seen. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to lean into that. You know, I, I think you've watched them for the most part navigate well 
And those who say, I have nothing more to learn, um, I know it all, you know, or I, I'm, I'm, can, I'm okay with what we, where we are right now. And so my job is to protect and, uh, and basically just ride this thing out. Again, bury my head in the sand, not listen to anybody else. And, you know, one of the things that was really practical that I saw early on was the leaders who were calling and saying that their job that first 60 days was just to get as much information and data and, and learning as possible. And I was, I was kind of like, okay, well that, let's see how that plays out. And it was true. Like the hungry leader was the one again, who led well through this because they said, I've, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I've, I've never, I've never dealt with something like this. And, and so it's both a posture that says, I know that's true. And it's also a posture that says, well, I got to do something about it. That's really good. It was so funny during that, during the spring of 20, I had a call every Friday morning with state legislators, local mayors, superintendents, uh, a college president, um, people from our Wellstar health system, which is a big health system here in Atlanta. And we would get together every Friday morning on a call from nine to 10. So the call Mm -hmm. was to do two things. One was to encourage them. The second thing was to disseminate information we were all learning. And I would tell the guys on our team at North Star, the one thing I learned every Friday is nobody knew anything. That's what right. I learned. We were all, we're all, we're all paddling a boat. We don't know where, where it's going, but we're all paddling. So right. it, it, it was really interesting to go through, especially those first unknown few months. And here we are a few months later, we really don't know much either. And you can't, but- you can't be Mike, you can't be the, the leader who is like, you know, imagine that you're on the interstate and all the other cars are going 80 and you're going five. Mm. I mean, you're going to get hit or you're going to get run over or you're going to get a ticket or you're like, so again, speed, the, the, the rate of change has, has, has exponentially increased. And I don't want leaders to be chaotic and out of control, but what we do have to make sure we're doing as a leader is we're staying up. We're staying in pace with with where culture is and 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 the learnings and the things that are coming out and it's just so much easier to 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 say well I'm just going to pull off on the side and ride this one out and I don't think I don't think that's a leader I think I think a leader says I would like to do that but I've I've got to keep going man I got to get back in the in the in the left lane let's go let's let's get, let's let's keep up with where we're headed that's really good. I, I love too. I don't know if this time, if this was already on your docket for 2020, but you started uh, back with your podcast. You had done some podcasting years prior, of course, with the Catalyst, and then done some others on your own. But you started back your new podcast, and man, you've had some phenomenal guests to start the year: Levi Lesko, Dr. Henry Cloud, Rick Warren, Patrick Lencioni, Donald Miller, and so many, many others. Tell everybody a little bit about the passion behind getting that going and sort of the niche in the market you're wanting to find with that. Yeah, the, the name of it, it, the name of it, H3 Leadership. Uh, I'm not really talking about the book, though, because that's the book name. So yeah. I didn't have a better name. So I just went with that one. Uh, <laughs> I think it know, worked well. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, I guess it is my brand. Um, but really, the goal of the podcast is to curate the best of what leaders need to know. And when I say best, I mean, I, I need to be a filter. And I'm just finding that more and more the the curator 
in today's world is really important because there's so much noise. There, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts, even just as one category. So how do I know which ones to listen to? Or, you know, what are the books that I need, I need to read? And, and leaders are busy. And so my job is to really, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm the person that can be a filter mm. for my little tribe of leaders. And so I'm trying to provide links and resources and recommendations, as well as then have on some friends to, to have some conversations that the interviews are a little bit shorter than uh, some other podcast. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to actually ask them as well, you know, in, in as much as I can, like, Hey, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What, what are your outlets for learning? So I, I'm trying to be in that niche of, of the filter, the curator, the aggregator for, uh, you know, for people who are really busy and just don't have time to, to do all the research. I'll do that for them. Well, I know, you know, Brian Dodd, a mutual friend of ours, has done that so well through his blogs through the years. And what I love about it, what you've done, I mean, just your interview, just that short interview you had with uh, Rick Warren talking about finishing well was gold. I mean, it wasn't an hour. It wasn't two hours. It was probably 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, but it was gold. And then your nuggets in there of other things are incredibly valuable. And so what what I love about it, Brad, is you're doing exactly what you talked about er, uh, earlier. You're doing it for others. You know, you're getting less, you're getting a lot out of it, but you're making it, you're curating it for other leaders to have access to. It's really, really good. Well, thank you. And, and that's, you know, I think the the thing always with, with anything we create as a leader is that, am am I going to be the customer of it? (laughs) And that, this is the kind of podcast I like to listen to. I mean, the, the podcast I'm creating is the, is the podcast that I would want to listen to. Because I love when I listen to podcasts and I get three or four things. I, I listen a lot when I run. And the ones that I love and hate are the ones that I have to stop and take notes. Or I have to stop and like look that website up. Or I have to stop and you know jot down that book they recommended. And so I'm just trying to, again, to... Um, you know, to do that for other people. And hopefully there's, you know, at some point I'll start to, to, uh, to sprinkle in some, some of my own thoughts and, you know, the leadership nuggets that I occasionally put those in there, but for the most part, it's, it's, here's some things that are going to help you in your journey. Yeah. You know, a few months ago, I reached out to you about coming back on. I, I heard a podcast. It was on a podcast, but it was an interview from years prior with Ray Johnston and Bill Hybels. And mm-hmm. you were, t- I mean, this this was a few years back, but it boy, it really ramped up a thought in my mind. You have had a front row seat to some of the greatest leaders in the world through Catalyst, through your podcast, through you're a learner, you're a reader, uh, you're growing. And so I ask you this question, who are some of the greatest leaders that you have watched and had a front row seat to and why? So I would love to dive in that topic a little bit with you. And who are some of those leaders, Brad, that come to your mind that you've watched. So number one, who are they? Number two, what made them great to you? What would you say? Man, this is such a, I mean, we could, we could dive into this one for hours. Um, I I don't know how, how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go on this one. Um, You know, I'll, I'll start with Maxwell with John Maxwell. And 
I got to work with John and for John for a couple of years. And the thing I loved about John was he was such a empowering leader to, especially those of us who were young at the time, you know, there was, this was the early two thousands. Anybody remember that time? That's, yep. That feels like a hundred years ago, <laughs> not, not 20 years ago. Right. Um, but we were, there was a bunch of us in our twenties that were hanging around and working for John and, um, Ken Coleman and Gabe Lyons and myself and Kevin Small. And I mean, there, we were, we were out kicking our coverage. I'll just say that in terms of the, 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 the things we were responsible for, but had no business being in charge of. Mm. <laughs> and, and John was just such an empowering leader to say to us, Hey, here's what I, here's what I, I want from you. And, and here's kind of the parameters and go run with it. Um, and I love that because you know, when you're the grand poobah, mm. when, when you're writing all the books, um, many people think that, you know, you're, you're really, uh, you're really like thinking about and working on all the issues in the organization. And in many ways, it's just the opposite. So I learned the power of empowerment, mm. probably more than anything else from John. Um, and he, he also was just a, he was a fun hang, Mike. Like, I, I mean, anybody who's ever been around John, like he, he's, He's, he's charismatic. He really does love people. Um, he, he connects with people really well. And here's what I loved about, you know, you could walk up to him in a book signing line and, Hey, John, I've been reading your books for all these years. And my name's Bill. And I just love what you do. And then five minutes later, Bill comes back and forgot his pen. And John would say, Hey, Bill, uh, wow. what do you need? You know, I mean, and Bill's like, how did you remember my name? And just the, just the, the ability to make other people feel special mm. um, was, was one of the things that I loved learning and watching John do. Um, I mean, Andy Stanley's another one. I, I never really worked for Andy, never have worked for Andy. So a lot of people thought over the years that Catalyst was, was part of North Point or, you know, that it was, it was that Andy was in charge or the boss or the founder and Andy would just show up to speak you know, and, and was pretty involved in, in, <clears throat> in some of the things we were trying to do. But the thing I loved about Andy is he really is hungry as a leader and everybody you're, everybody he's around becomes a classroom. Um, and he, he just has this perspective that says, I've kind of got my moleskin out, you know, and, and anybody I meet, this is an opportunity for me to learn. Yep. Um, and of course, you know, he's the, he's the master of the one-liner. Uh, that he's the master of the ability to, to take something complex and make it simple and, and memorable. Mm. Um, you know, Craig Rochelle, I, I learned the power of, uh, of pushups. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think the thing from Craig, it more than anything else is, is his, ruthless approach and intentionality towards towards finishing the race well and not getting taken out of the game and so many of us as leaders we we don't put we don't put systems in place to protect ourselves from ourselves and we're all prone to it i mean no nobody ever arrives and gets to the place where they can say you know what no longer am i prone to temptation so with, with Craig, the, one, of the, one of the things he's really been intentional about is putting systems in place. 
And even, even in terms of, of websites he could visit, uh, looking at things he shouldn't look at, he can't. He actually has so many things in place and levels and people and accountability. And I, I just love that about him, that he, that he says, I'm prone, man. It, you know, I, I don't want to be that kind of leader, but I know that, that if, I, if I don't force myself into, into places of accountability, then I might have the chance when I get isolated or lonely. And that's the thing about leadership. When you get to the top, man, you're isolated. No, nobody's, no, everybody tells you what you want to hear. Uh, you know, you, you, accountability is really up to you uh, at those levels. So um, can I give you a few more? You mean to keep Absolute, going? No, I love this, man. This is incredible. So um, I'll give you one that nobody will know. And this was a, a gentleman, uh, Bob Foster, who has now passed away several years ago. When I was in my 20s, Mike, he, uh, I worked on a guest ranch in Colorado, a place called Lost Valley. And this was uh, just after college. And he was 75. And I was, you know, in my early 20s. And he was a patriarch and was, was peers with Dawson Troutman, who started the Navigators, and and Billy Graham, and Chuck Swindoll, and Howard Hendricks, and uh, Cliff Barrows, and you know all these patriarchs of the faith. Jim Rayburn, who started Young Life, and he mentored me for several years, and we did the Scripture Memory System, and uh, I went on trips with him, and we would meet every Friday morning for breakfast, and we would just just share, and he would. He, he was just investing in me. And he would always say to me, Brad, your 20s establish your 70s. Your, your 20s establish your 70s. And here I am as a 21-year-old knucklehead, don't know anything about anything. And here he is as a 75-year-old man who is finishing the race well. And he, he kept saying to me that the things you do now, Brad, in your 20s, this next 10 years of your life, will be the foundation that allows you to finish the race well. So legacy starts now. You know, you you don't you you don't get a second chance at building the concrete and pouring the foundation of you know of your life. And that's that's so important for people and their leaders in their twenties. So you know the the thing I learned from him was was spiritual roots mm. are so so vital to the to the arc, the, the, the long arc, the long obedience in the same direction, yeah. as Eugene Peterson would say, you know, if, if you, and, and some of us get a second or third chance and some of us start in our forties or fifties and, but man, if you're in your twenties or you have kids who are in their twenties, absolutely just double down and help them see the power of doubling down on, on building a life focused on Jesus and on the, the spiritual roots that will carry you carry you the distance. Um, Bob, you know, he, he was, he was so funny because <clears throat> nobody really knew who he was. I mean, he was this cowboy out in the middle of the mountains in Colorado, but he had just profound, profound impact on, on tons and tons of people. Um, you know, Louis, Louis and Shelly Giglio, who, you know, in many ways, the last decade, uh, pastored me. And I mean, a pastor thousands, um, I've learned so much from, from Louie and Shelly. I think the thing that I, 
that I continue to be amazed by is that they have such a passion for investing in the next generation. And, you know, that, that the idea that, that, um, there are, there are hundreds of thousands of college students whose, whose, uh, you know, life direction was altered by, by something like passion that ended up being this moment in their, you know, in their, in their college experience that, that really changed the course of both their life as well as even the kingdom. Um, and I, I just love that. I love, you know, they could, they could choose to, to probably spend energy on anything they wanted to in this season, but yet they continue to, to think and dream and plan and invest in how, what does it look like for us to, to still have a passion and, and, and think about the, you know, the 20 something, the college student out there. Um, I'll keep going if you want me to. Yeah. Give me, give me one or two more. Cause these yeah, are, fa- sure. these are fascinating to me. Uh, Peb Jackson is, and, and again, the context for me, and even when you asked this question was, was who are some of the people that I feel like have, have mentored or shaped me. Yep. And, and many of these are older than me. Um, so Peb Jackson is somebody that most people, again, won't know, sort of like Bob Foster. But Peb is, um, he worked for, for Focus on the Family when Focus started back in the 80s. He was with Young Life. He raised, he's raised hundreds of millions of dollars for different nonprofits. He, he worked with Rick Warren for a while. He worked with Generous Giving. And um, Peb is probably the most connected Christian I know in terms of if you say who knows more people mm. in the Christian world, the Christian leadership world. I mean, Peb's up there and he's, you know, he's 75. Uh, but he taught me the power of being, of being about others and about connection. Um, and, and practically one of the things I learned from Peb was that, you know, when, when you're around people of influence, so many of us are, are, are insecure. You know, when we, when we get around people who are, who are the best in the world at what they do, um, we, we, we get the insecure, you know, we're, we're nervous, we're, you know, all those things, all those emotions start to play. Um, the best way for us to actually um, gain credibility or actually get involved or be invited into the conversation is to ask a good question. Yep. And so many of us think we've got to like prove that we're, we belong. <laughs> and it's just the opposite, you know, that prove that you belong by, by being really curious. Mm. And um, the, the power of being able to connect with anybody around their interests is such a vital thing as a leader. And, you know, this is true in fundraising. It's true in relationships. It's true in business development. It's true in, in hospitality. It's true in outreach. You know, the best way for me to have a conversation on a plane with that person sitting next to me that I'm, that I'm thinking, okay, God's, God's stirred up something in me right now that I feel like I need to share the gospel with this person in seat, you know, seat A and I'm in B. How do I get there? Well, the best way many times for us to get there is to get really curious and, and say, Hey, tell me your story. You know, what what are the things you, what are the things you're passionate about? And um, Peb just taught me that, you know, he, again, he, he hangs out with people who are really, really, influential, wealthy, important at the top of the food chain, captains of industry. And I, every time I've been around him, I watch him just, just 
have this incredible ability to ask really good questions and and pull things out of people that you never thought would they would actually talk about. Um, and it, it, it really is one of those things that you, if the more you do it, the better you get at it. Yep. Um, and then I'll give you one more, just again, because we're on a roll, Ken Costa. So mm-hmm. Ken is a, a friend of mine in London, a legendary investment banker in the UK, been very involved with HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton in London, and very involved with Alpha over the years. And um, Ken has taught me so much about the power of, of, of speaking life into people through words of wisdom. And, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always sort of praying and asking God to give me clarity on what, what, it, what is my, what are my, some of my spiritual gifts that I bring to people and, you know, what I've seen Ken do and what he's helped me to really discover myself is that, that wisdom and discernment that has been injected into me that now is injected into other people is a powerful tool for the kingdom. Um, and, you know, I've watched Ken, he, he has this ability to sort of, you know, Yoda like <laughs> in about three minutes of being around somebody, he will, he will say something or ask a question or speak uh, encouragement into them and they just melt. And they say, you know, Ken, nobody knows about this, what you just said, how, you know, how did you, how did you come up with that prophetic word for me? And, you know, it's because he's in tune with the spirit. Yeah. And so I, I never really thought I had that. I, 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 I always thought everybody else had it. You know, I, I thought that that was not something that I could provide to people, but I've noticed that the last few years is I'm trying to be really intentional about just the, the, the discerning words of wisdom mm. that I can inject into people um, that will many times, again, be this mile marker or memory moment for them. So that's something Ken's uh, helped me see and helped me uh, get better at. You know, that it, the, the interesting part about that list is you have people that we all know their name, and then you have some people on there that nobody knows their name. Sure. What makes them similar, because they're all leaders in their own industries, but yet, they're all incredibly unique. What are some of the similarities that all of them possess to you? Is there one or two things that you go, you know, looking at this scope of them, if they were on a, if they were on the side of a mountain and I was looking at their, uh, their replica on the side of the mountain, what's something they all have in common? I, I think really it, it is humility. I mean, mm. I think it's, I agree. Uh, I, I don't want that to be the only answer we always give, but it, it sure feels like that is, is a consistent through line. And, and it's, again, it's not that, um, it's not that they, they do the aw shucks thing and, you know, I'm really not that good. And, um, you know, it, it's, and it, it's much more that there's a contentment yep. because they're so self-aware yeah. and that their, their identity is, is secure. I mean, they, they're not struggling with sort of this idea of, of what has God wired me to do? And, and um, do I know what my calling is? And, you know, am I, am I trying to get people's attention? Am I, am I trying too hard, you know, to, to prove that I belong in the room? And so that, that definitely is a through line. I'm, I think the other thing is, is there really is a sense 
I think this happens in great leaders is that um, they are they're so tuned in to the to understanding their wirings and their gifting that now they can allow their giftings to actually help other people discover theirs. Mm, mm. And that, I, I think that's mentoring. I think it's, um, I think it is discernment, but it's also just the, when, when you're, when you're, uh, when your posture is one that says I'm good and I, I'm, I'm comfortable with, with the season I'm in and, and I'm still trying to get better, but I think that, I think that allows you then to look at other people and see other people and, and see that the best way you can impact them is actually to help them figure those things out. So, um, you know, none, none of them really would say part of their job description is to be an advisor (laughs) or they're not consulting with leaders. They're not a leadership coach, you know, like, they're not necessarily putting on that hat, but all of them have that gift. Yeah. Um, whether they, whether they express it or not vocationally. You know, you, you mentioned Andy earlier, there was a moment we brought Andy in to speak to church planners. So we had about a hundred, 120 church planners in the room. I had some of my staff in the room and he was going to do a thing. I was going to do a Q and a with him and he brought a friend of mine and a guy that I've known for years in student ministry uh, that was working at North point at the time. And he had a notebook with him. So I was like, Donald, why, why are you here? I know you rode over with Andy. You knew where you were coming to at our offices, but why did you come? And this was his line. He said, Andy said, there's going to be church planners in the room. And they're the most creative people out there. Write down any good stuff you hear, so I won't forget it. I love it. It's and so true. I'll never forget it. I'll, I, you know, there's the guy we all came to hear, and yet he's the one that probably left with more knowledge than anybody else because he listens creatively and he never thinks he knows everything. That's exactly and right. That was interesting. Yeah. You brought that out about Andy because that's something nobody really knows that story. Yeah, you know, you know, the other thing. I mean. I, I don't know the exact meeting or group. This was several years ago, but there was a group out there that was very, they were very uh, critical of Andy. And so they had a, they had a, like a conference in Atlanta and maybe hundred or 200 of them showed up and Andy went <laughs> and he, he's sitting in the back and I wasn't there. But I just got the story later, you know, that, that, that he's, he just walked in. I mean, I think he registered for the event. I think he like paid his registration fee. He's, he's sitting in the back. And of course, none of them knew the first session that he was back there, you know, and then they all take a break and they're like all whispering, Hey, oh my gosh, can you believe it? it's like, like Andy Stanley's here. And he wasn't there to make a statement. He was there to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was there. He was like, I'm going to go try to understand the, the, this, like what's happening with this group. And just the lesson, even in that of, of, uh, you know, like, learn from people that even are critical of you, mm, mm. you know, that, I mean, and, and at some point that might be a bridge to create a conversation. You know, there's so many listening to this podcast, Brad, I think every, to listen to your podcast or listen to my podcast, somebody wants to be great. I mean, you're not just listening to pastime. You're, you're going, okay, there's a great leader. I want to learn, you know, I saw Rick Warren on the H3 leader podcast. You, Rick's like the the big whale, man. You can't get Rick. So I want to go hear what Rick says. Yeah. Or or they see Brad Lominick on mine and they're like, I want to hear what Brad says. Everybody wants to be 
that great leader for somebody else one day. Jim Collins, in an interview you and I were talking about before we went on, he was quoting from somebody. He said, never let your ambition confuse you about who you really are. What's a challenge you have for young leaders that are incredibly ambitious, but their ambition may get the best of them? What's a challenge you would have for them? Well, your ambition has to be grounded in a, in a, in a, you know, a framework of humility. Mm. Um, but, it, but it also has to be grounded in a, in a true understanding of identity calling and assignment. Mm. So I'm, I'm good with ambition as long as it's rooted in a plan because ambition gone wild Mm. is dangerous and toxic and potentially will take you out and everybody else with you. Um, But if you've got humility as your concrete, and then you've got a sense of a framework that says, I'm, I'm self-aware. I know who I am. I know why I'm here and I know what I'm supposed to be doing in this season. Um, then ambition can can be appropriately put into play. Um, the the danger always, especially today with ambition, is that um, we've never had more opportunities and more ways to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah, you know, like used to, there was only a few ways <laughs> that you, you kind of had to choose, and everybody was on that same route going up the mountain, and you would get stuck. It's like the people go up to Everest. You know, and there's this long line at the at the ice falls or at the, you know, the the Kumbu uh, the Kumbu step or whatever it's called. Um, nowadays, if you want to climb the mountain of of leadership or influence, there's hundreds of ways up the mountain. What we have to be careful though is that we don't we don't give up and lose all of uh, all of our friends, all of our uh, family, all of our the things that are really important on the way up. Mm. And so the question, the danger is, um, how much are you willing to trade in potentially like the things that matter most for the thing that you think is the most important thing in the mm. short term? Mm. Cause we all know this is true. Um, more than ever, the young leaders today think that if they don't get it done by the end of the week, that they failed, you know, that the greatest, anxiety developer perhaps and 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 the thing that is is creating insecurity in 20 somethings is that they're watching their friends who have no faith have no um appropriate like appropriate um framework for life they don't have a they don't have a worldview that they're, they're just going for it they're watching yeah. their friends all like build the next great company or tech startup or church plant and they're, they got there by 27. But now they look back and then five years later, they realize my spouse doesn't like me anymore. My, I don't even know my kids. What did you trade, right? What, what did you trade? And so the long game, man, I'm telling you, the long game with ambition, ambition rooted in, in humility and a framework that, that is, a, is allowed to see that um, the, the 30 or 40 year arc is going to be the best way to get to the finish line. That's the, that's the route I want to choose. And so, I mean, the practical side of that is you've got to be aware, again, you got to be aware of your own, your own like um, limitations and and your own sort of prone towards, I will actually like take myself out of the game. I, I will get, you know, I will end up in the ditch and, 
you know, pe- get people around you who, who understand that, who know you get, get wise leaders who are older than you to speak truth into you. Um, but, but do not get lost in watching other leaders because you're seeing something that, that is not true for you. Yeah. And we, there's just so many, there, there's so many ways for us to get frustrated because we're watching everybody else. And, you know, don't just put your blinders on, man, that the horse race, that the horse, the race, the horse in the, in the, you know, in the race, the thoroughbred that has the blinders on, there's a reason for that. The, the reason they put those blinders on those horses, is because, uh, that horse might be the fastest in the race, but if they come out of the gate and they're chasing the, the one who, who has great speed in the first quarter mile, they will poop out by the, by the time they That's get right. to the half mile. So blinders are put in place on a horse to make sure that they stay focused on getting to the finish line. Uh, so you might have to put your blinders on. And, th- and that's a, that is very hard. And I think the oh gosh, young, for the younger leaders, especially because they live in that world of Instagram, Twitter, sure. Facebook. Uh, I mean, they, and we all do, gosh, I'm 51 and I do it too. Good night. Yeah. You pull up, you, you're like, we're, we're trying to start, you know, five new small groups in 2021. And there's a pastor that planted five churches last week. And you're yep. like, hold on, what am I doing? How am I not? And those blinders are huge. And uh, I love, you know, it, it was Collins and Good to Great that talked about, you know, those level five leaders. And if somebody had read Good to Great, Good Night, you got to get it. But but he said, you're almost, they're almost shy. And, but yet mm-hmm. they've been put in a place and so many of those leaders you named from Louie and Shelley and Craig, Craig was trying to plant a church in Oklahoma city. He wasn't trying to become the master guru. John was a pastor in California when God began to use him. And so I love those thoughts that almost all of them have to, had to be pushed out of the shadows for yeah. us to even know who they are because yeah. they're just doing what they do. They're doing what they were called to do. And it really is that, you know, the faithfulness to the season of assignment, Mm. but also to the faithfulness of the, of the scale of the vision that God has given you. And I think it's shifting, Mike. Like, I think, I think in the future, the heroes, I mean, even the people that might get more exposure or even more, more um, notoriety or whatever we want to say, whatever the reward is, I think everything's going local. Mm. Mm. Um, Partly because the home is becoming the center point for, for the future of just life. But also that that um, because we are so we are so inundated with global with with news on demand with with everything it's again it's noise it's it's become mute for so many of us it's it's the idea that that is now a commodity so where where's the power now where is the real like life change where's the where's the story that makes you cry where's the where's the connection point that stirs your heart I think it's going to be local and so. Um, the local leader who is impacting people in their sphere of influence in many ways is going to be, I think, way more of the, the story going forward. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean that, 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 you know, there still won't be national voices or international voices, but I just think we're kind of over that. I think yeah. there's a, there's a sense of, yeah, that's great, but yeah, that's a great, but you know, the, cause forever we were, we were sort of saying, okay, you know, 
have a global mindset, but a local community focus. And I, I just, I think we're shifting more towards, no, just have a local focus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. global's still important, but uh, we, we sort of know that now, like we've, we're, 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 we're getting plenty of that. And so be encouraged if you're a, if you're a leader who, who's right now is listening to this and thinking, nobody knows who I am, you know, no, nobody cares. No, they care. And, and you, you know, you might have 50 people, a hundred people, 200 people, 500 people that, that you're impacting, but you can like one, one that's important, but two, it's faithfulness mm. and the scorecard in the kingdom. I mean, the, 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 the report card you're going to get is, uh, I, we, we see it in scripture, you know, your, your five to 10 is, uh, is equal to Louis Giglio's hundred right. to 200. That's exactly right. I, I love that. And it's so easy to forget. And I wish yes. as you got older, it got easier and it I doesn't. Know. Golly. So you've had a front row seat to watch greatness. You've also had a front row seat, Brad, that ones that we would consider great that, that fell, you know, the mighty, the mighty fall. And many of us know their stories. Many of us know, uh, you know, the headlines we've read and without naming names, because they're really, they're, they're uh, very numerous and, and, you know, uh, unless unless the Lord protects us and and continues to give us grace, gosh, our names could be in that same list. What are what are some things watching some of those that have fallen? What are some things and lessons you as a leader have taken out of those? Such a great question. I I'm uh, yeah. Th- there's so many things that that I think are important. You know, and I've known a lot of leaders personally. I mean, I'm friends with a lot of the leaders who the last several years, you know, that the articles have been written about. I, th- I think one of the biggest things is um, at some point, well, first of all, n- none of them set out no, that's for that right. to be the story. That's right. And nobody in, nobody in their 20s said, you know what, I think maybe around, you know, maybe around 37, I'll have a major moral failure. Well, that wouldn't that be great? I mean, nobody nobody sets out the slow, steady decay, the the slow over time, um, you know, just toxicity. The 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 it's not something. It's not a. It's not one decision. It's a multitude of decisions, and and so the thing I think most 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 of them have in common. I mean, among many things, is that people who were closest to them saw it. Mm. They knew it. They, they felt it. They discerned it, but they didn't do anything about it. And that's not necessarily their fault, but I know this part of my posture at this point with my friends is I'm going to make things awkward. I'm, I'm, and if that means the friendship ceases to exist, if that means they don't talk to me, if that means that they get mad, I, I mean, I'm I'm done with niceties. And um, so, you know, the what's the what's that leader supposed to do to make sure that happens is I think you have to again know yourself so well and and be willing to to put systems and things in place, but you also have to constantly and the and the higher you go up, the you have to constantly ask people to speak truth back into you. 
give feet, give permission for feedback. Cause this is, we, we think as leaders, Oh, we, I did it one time. I've got an open door policy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everybody knows they can come and tell me, no, they can't. Yep. No, they, they, they would, they, you have, you said that four years ago, but you also say it, but you don't mean it. And so, um, we have to, we have to say to people, listen, I need you to speak something into me right now that I'm not aware of, but you are. Mm. And the first time you say it, they'll go, Oh, you're, you're the best leader ever. Well, that's because I, you pay my paycheck, you know, yep. no, tell me, no, get, I'm giving you permission. This, I promise you, I, I, this is helpful for me. And about 17 times after asking them, they'll finally go, well, you know, there was this one thing I saw last week. And what you're doing is you're, you're, you have to just fight, 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 fight for people to give you permission to give feedback. And, mm-hmm. and I just think we lose that as leaders. And we, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't incline ourselves to, to go and seek feedback from the people closest to us. We get feedback from the people a long ways away from us who aren't really invested in us, right? We get, we get the, oh, Brad, like you're yep. great, man. I've listened to your podcast and uh, man, I read your book and I bet you're a great leader. Well, that, thank you, but that person is not in my world. Mm. Like they're not in my day-to-day. I need the people in my day-to-day to, to have permission um, to get in my grill. And um, that, I'll stop there because I've got a few others, but I'll let you give comments or feedback. No, I, I think that to me, and I 100% agree with you, and, and I think we all find out. I was listening to somebody talk the other day, and they said, you know, what you used to find out at the water cooler, nobody tells you anymore. So the minute, <laughs> the minute you get that leader seat, whether you're an athletic director or president of a, of a university or you are a, you know, a business leader, business owner, or a pastor, people just don't tell you things because there's a yeah. cost that comes with telling you, and they're trying to help you, but in the end, they're hurting you. And they're they're not doing you a service to do that. No, I I totally agree. And one of the things I, that's probably in common with all the people you listed earlier is they have that circle of trust. They've got those people that can tell them anything, and it's huge. It is huge for them to have. You know, I think, and I look at your life, Brad. And we don't know each other. Never met you face to face. Been in audiences, you know, where I've watched you, but I don't know you. Um, God created in you an incredible passion for leadership, a passion to do great things in your generation. And, and when we read scripture, we read the postscripts of how God used people in his hall of fame in Hebrews 11 and all those kind of yep. things. At the end of your leadership journey with the gifts, abilities, talents, ambitions that God placed in you, what do you want God to say about Brad and how you led, what would you say? Well, I, I hope that, uh, I can hear, you know, the, the, the phrase we all want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I, I want, I want, I want to, uh, I want to have the reputation for being like Jesus. You know, I mean, that, that, that seems like a pretty good, uh, descriptor. We, we all would, would want that. Um, I think specifically for me, you know, there is this, there is definitely for me a, a, a purpose of my life to, to um, influence influencers. And 
And so I guess the phrase that I want to hear is you helped leaders go further than you ever did. You know, you, you created a platform or systems or, or you connected in such a way that, that you catapulted leaders way further than you could ever go. And I just think that would be such a, um, a healthy legacy for me to have is that um, I allowed for whatever influence I have to be multiplied through others. And I don't want it to just go, I don't want it to end with me. I think that's, that's the, the, you know, the, the key phrase for me right now for the next 40 years of my life and legacy is, is, I mean, I still got some, I still got some energy in the tank. Don't get me wrong, but, but I've shifted my, my, my perspective to say my job at this, in this season now is to just do everything in my power to identify, find, um, connect, encourage, and then, and then just absolutely just, uh, shoot those leaders into the next phase and further than I ever went. Um, and I love, you know, Louis, Louis did a talk about the, the flaming arrows a, a few years ago, and I wish I could remember the title of it. Um, it was one of the best talks I've ever heard at, at passion conference. Um, but this, the, the, the picture of, of me being this, this marksman with a bow and arrow and that I'm just shooting leaders, you know, into, into these different spheres of influence because of my ability to, to, uh, to have an opportunity with what I've been given. So I, I think for me, that's the best way I'm going to exponentially multiply my, my impact is, is through empowering and then releasing others. Good, good stuff, Brad. Thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to be a part of Lynch with a Leader. Brad is a, uh, he's a leader of leaders, but he's a leader who just flat out knows what he's looking for and he gets it. And then he has that unique ability. There's a few guys like Brad. Brian Dodd is one of those guys. They have a way of observing things that is so unique. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Well, our next episode, you're really going to love. We're going to sit down with Jeff and Andre Schinnebarger. Their new book, Love or Work, their podcast, Love or Work, is so good. And it's meant for couples that are both pursuing their careers. How do you balance it? How does faith play into it? I think you're really going to enjoy it. So once again, thanks for joining me today. I pray that if you enjoyed this episode, that you'll share it with a friend, hit it on social media, share it with a friend. Just know how much it means to me that you took time to tune in today. I pray you have a great one, and I hope to see you again around Lynch with a Leader really, really soon. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 